Monday, everybody, and welcome back to the Couchside Judges. I'm Scott Fontana. You can follow me on Twitter at Scott underscore Fontana. And I'm Dan Urban. You can follow me at the Dan Urban. You can follow the podcast at Couchside Judges, and you can subscribe to the show wherever you listen. And if you like what you're hearing, please give us that five-star review. And we talk judging in MMA, so you should learn the criteria. You can read it at abcboxing.com. Dan, how you doing? You have a good weekend? I did. What about you? I had a good weekend. I, I had a busy one. I was too busy to watch Bellator on Friday night because I was in my buddy's wedding. Oh, nice. How'd that go? It was a good time. I am I, I, uh, told I had a good speech. Oh, good. As you, as you know, I was working on that uh, a couple weeks back. I, I'd known about this wedding for a few years, and uh, well, it, it got delayed a little bit by you know that little thing that's been delaying everything the last year. Yeah, things, but things finally happen. it went off, and I got to do my speech, and my buddy had a good time. Wedding went off without a hitch. It was great. Nice, great time. Glad to but, hear. But uh, like I said, I was not able to watch uh, Bellator this uh, weekend, so we really don't have anything to say about it other than I know Cyborg uh, was able to beat Leslie Smith for a second time. And we're not shocked. No, not at all. I mean, Leslie Smith's a tough gal, but she's not Cyborg. Cyborg's a legend. Uh, but we did make sure to, of course, watch UFC uh, Vegas 27, the 27th fight night show from the UFC Apex in the last uh, year plus here. Uh, we had Rob Font looking fantastic. Really strong performance. Great striking. Great job staying off his back for the most part. When he was on his back, he used a sub to get up. I thought that was awesome. Look, looked really sharp. No cardio issue. Good performance. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I, I won't lie. I really thought that Font was going to win. I thought he'd be able to finish it. Um, but he just, I mean, that that jab. It's just, it really was superior. Everybody's, you know, fawning over it right now. Uh, you know, it's kind of when you're talking about best jabs in MMA, which was kind of getting thrown out there for Rob Font. I mean, sure, his is definitely in the conversation. You could argue. BJ Penn's got one of the most amazing jabs in MMA right now, too. Yeah, BJ Penn. BJ Penn doesn't fight anymore. Oh, uh, except when he's drunk at a bar. Best jab, allegedly. Best jab. Bah, bah, boom. Bye bye. Sean Shirk knows. GSP had an amazing jab. I'm just saying, Sean Shirk knows what BJ Penn's jab is like. We'll ask him. No, we won't. We probably won't. No. <laughs> but uh, I mean, obviously, he looked fantastic. Rob Font getting back to him. You know, how close do you think he is? To that title shot, because obviously things are kind of messy right now at Bantamweight. He's probably not going to be the next title contender, unless for some reason, I don't know why they would even want to consider this, do Jan versus him for interim belt while Aljo's recovering or getting surgery or whatever he's doing with his neck or yeah. back or whatever the injury is. And Rob Font did float the idea of the interim title, um, potentially in, in such a case where Aljamain was out for a while. I'm not a fan of interim titles. Um, I, I'm I'm really more of the belief that like if you're going to be out long enough, just take the title away, just drop it. Um, if he can defend it, I would say even within a year, I'm good with it. Just let it go. Um, but having said that, I, you know I don't think he necessarily would be the top guy that the UFC would prefer to put into the title fight. I think their idea would be, of course, once they're able to get Aljo and Peter Yan squared away, who who would be next after that. I think they would probably want Corey Sanhagen or TJ Dillashaw, the winner of that fight. But as we've seen, the UFC is really just about at this point filling in with the body who asks for the least or is the most available at the time they want them. Right? Yeah. I, so maybe Font does does get something. I, I don't see it. I, I don't see him winning it. 
uh, as great as he was on Saturday, I, I I don't think he would fare as well against guys like Aljo or Peter Yan. I think Yan would be really tough. Um, but I mean, he does have that killer jab. That is that is quite a weapon. Would he be able to stay on his feet? You know, I'm, that would be a question because Yan has has say, shown say great no. ability with takedowns, even against Aljo. That is, well, I'm saying that those two are the best wrestlers, so I don't think he's stopping it. I mean, Cor- Cody Garbrandt took him down rather easily. He did, didn't, but Garbrandt didn't stay has there. a good wrestling background. It didn't I don't think stay that's, there. You know, you don't want to diminish that. It's it's not Yan or Aljo's level. But Yan isn't even a, a great wrestler or anything like that. He's he he got, was able to show those great takedowns against Aljo, but I think that's a product of the way that fight developed. I I don't know. You 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 ragdoll him like that? Aljo's a great wrestler. It means Peter Yan's a great wrestler. MMA math I, works there. I, I think that's an oversimplification. I, I disagree. Okay. Well, well, either way, Rob Font's not beating either one. I, I would be interested to see. I, I Meh. I wouldn't rule it out. I really wouldn't. But yeah, I would say You're too he's nice. definitely, as Dana White likes to say, in the mix. So pretty much that means he's one of the guys that if available at the time they want him, he's I can see him getting mix. that title fight. He's, been in, he's already in the mix. He was number three. Yeah, but that that's not exactly the case of what what we mean by in the mix. You know what I mean? It's it's really are you going to be somebody who will ask to take the title fight? And I don't know that he would have done that just yet because yeah, he had the win over Marlon Moraes, but after before that, you know, some of the wins were impressive over Sergio Pettis and uh, Ricky Simone, but not quite at the same level of you know the true top of the bantamweight division in the UFC. So now he's got two of those. One's a former champion. One's a former challenger. Uh, and I think it's harder to deny his resume. But what about Garbrandt? I mean, this was, I mean, he really kind of doesn't look like he's growing as a fighter enough. I don't see that. I think he was bored. He didn't have it on Saturday. Wasn't in the fight. Some some seemed off. Didn't seem like his normal self. Had no emotion. Seemed unsure of himself. Well, I do wonder if maybe, you know, because he didn't have uh, the greatest experience with COVID last year. It, it, lingered for quite a while you have to wonder if maybe there's still after effects of that they they kind of speculated i believe on that on uh on social media while while i was watching the fight i mean it's possible it just didn't seem like he like he was even into the fight really i he think in moments, the beginning he was in moments he just seemed flat to me like he was like eh, like i don't hate rob font so like I hated Dominic Cruz and I hated TJ Dillashaw. So, you know, I was up for those fights, even though I got knocked out by TJ Dillashaw twice. He cheated, by the way. So, I mean, that, that's another thing. I mean, the three guys he lost to, or the three fights he lost, Pedro Munoz and TJ Dillashaw, both a history of cheating. They so, they have a history of being uh, popped for performance-enhancing drugs. Do we know that Pedro Munoz was cheating exactly? I don't remember what the circumstances were of that. There are people who've been caught with these type of things and it's not necessarily their fault um they you know we find a different way i don't i don't want to go out and say he was cheating we know tj dillashaw was cheating he he owned up to his use of epo i mean that's that's blatant but uh, i don't want to group muñoz in quite the same way but yes this is somebody who has popped for that before. and so you're right he's on the smaller side of the division he usually doesn't cut a lot of weight to make 135 i'd like to see him make around 25 it would be interesting to see him go to 25. Remember, he was supposed to get that title shot. Now, it doesn't make any sense for him to get one now. He would have to go down and, and get at least one, maybe even two wins. I don't I don't think he would. Um, I don't think he can make another run at 35. 35 is just so way either. too deep. Way too deep. I, I'm kind of starting to wonder if he's, I mean, 
I don't know if he's necessarily the biggest one hit wonder in the Never, UFC no. because you've got someone you've got like Matt Serra, of course. Matt Serra's the number one. Yeah, but it's it's interesting though, because without the title without the title victory over Dominic Cruz, which was just sublime. He was fantastic in that fight, uh, which we spoke about the other day. Of course, he you know, he didn't necessarily win every round, but when he went when he was winning the rounds, he was dominant. And yeah. he was losing the rounds. It was close, but he just hasn't looked the same. He's four and four since then. It's three knockouts. I mean, he's winning by a knockout too, but this one, he just, like you said, he didn't fight with the same fire. I still think that when he came out, there's a, there's a very clear difference between his round one body language and even his round like three body language in this fight against Rob Font. I don't know. He seemed different. He didn't seem like Cody Garbrandt to me. And maybe he won't be the same Cody Garbrandt anymore. I don't know. Like, he, so, I mean, he looked great in his last fight last year in June, but like you know how you know, he gets. Like it, I said he got COVID since then, and it was it was a tough one, from what I understand. He gets into those firefights, and and he ended up on the losing side of it, and people criticized him for it. You remember? Yeah, it felt like he had moments of like where in the fifth round he came out of it, and then he's like, "Oh no, no, I can't do that. I got to stay composed." And he didn't seem like he was having fun. Maybe he isn't having fun. That's true, but so. I mean, who knows? But anyway, we should talk about this fight in in a judging perspective, too. Uh, Let's get to our contested rounds here, because we did have two rounds in this fight, rounds one and five, which were split among the judges. I mean, we had two scorecards that were 50-45 for Rob Font, and then it was Derek Cleary who had 48-47. So he was split off in these two rounds here. Let's start with the first round, Dan. And I have to say, before we even get started, when I watched this live, I thought I was watching it close enough, but it's entirely possible I wasn't watching as close as I would like to have been. So I scored this one also for Cody Garbrandt, which is the same way Derek Cleary did. And first off, I took a beating on social media for it. Um, no, I'm not on meth. No, I'm not going to quit my job. But uh, I did see it one way. And, and also, I i don't need an eye exam. I know I have bad vision. I, I'm wearing glasses. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you to everybody. God, I wish I but, got those comments. What's that? I wish I got those comments. Oh yeah, you it doesn't love it. See, I, I just ignore it. You want to get into these firefights with people. I, do. I, I don't care. I love it. It just it is whatever. It's water under the bridge. But yeah, I mean well, I watched this again and I have to say I most definitely saw it for Rob Font. Although I don't think it's impossible to go for Garbrand here. What do you think? I think it was a pretty close round, but I think it's you throw it in the close but clear uh bin. Okay. For Rob Font. Uh, you know, Cody had the early success with the leg kicks, but, you know, then Font finally started finding a home for his jab, and then he started opening up some. He was one-twos, landing them hard, frequently. Nice front kick to the chin uh, towards the end of the round. And I felt Cody's best success in this round came off of Font getting up after he was taken down, especially yes. the second time. But uh, I thought Font already had enough of a lead where that wasn't going to surpass it. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think maybe I was just underrating some of the, the bigger spots from Rob Font in this round, or or maybe I just wasn't watching as closely as I as I I could have been. You know, let's be honest here. When you're at home, there's different distractions than when you're in in, uh, in the chair cage side. I am very much willing to admit that I am an amateur at this. Mm. Uh, I am not trained. I say this all the time. I leave it to the pros. I defer to the pros. Um, and uh, and in this case, I do defer to the majority here, which Sal D'Amato and Junichiro Camillo saw for Rob Font. Um, would you say this is the closest round of the fight? Yeah, maybe round round two was somewhat close, but that was still pretty much all Rob Font. And ultimately, so, that ended up being a, a unanimous round from the three judges too, uh, because yeah, it was round five. Yeah, this is probably yeah, this is round one is probably the closest. 
That's what I thought so too. Um, yeah, round five though. This is this is our other split round, which uh, which Derek Cleary saw for Garbrandt. Now I'm watching this round, and a part of me is like, you know what, Garbrandt is having some moments here, but also Rob Font is piling it on. To Cody's credit, he started landing some strikes and actually came when out. When he knew he had to, he came out and started this round with energy, like he was going to get into that crazy firefight. And then, like I mentioned, he just kind of, oh no, never mind. And then Rob Font started finding a home for that right, and he landed that a ton. Very impactful punches. Noticeably, Cody's getting stung. Uh, I think it's a bit of a stretch to go for Cody in this round. I have to agree. Um, I don't I don't want to call this a bad score. I don't think it's bad. Um, and, of course, you have to defer to the judges that are cage side. But, I mean, Font's landing really well. And even if you, you know, not that judges have these numbers available. They don't. They don't know what the strikes landed are. But when you can kind of use it in hindsight to already kind of test what we already believe, which is you and I believe that Rob Font won the round pretty convincingly. Um, we also have the other two judges, D'Amato and Camillo, saw it for Font. And then if you look at the numbers, total strikes, it's 45 to 23 landed in favor of Rob Font. So it's almost a two to one ratio. Um, significant strikes for whatever that means. Uh, it's actually three to one, 45 to 15 for Font. So it's it's definitely a case where the numbers certainly support what we already saw. Yeah, and I do think it's a tough case to make. Yeah, I mean Cody was—he landed some good overhand rights that looked pretty strong, but sure. overall, I, Font was just was like you said, pouring it on. So I think Font—he it's possible he didn't land quite as many of those big impactful strikes as Garbrandt did, but I think he made up for it with a, a, a heavy, heavy volume too. I think he more than made up for oh, maybe yeah. a slight disparity in the number of heavier strikes landed. Would you, would you agree? Yeah, I agree on, on that. I also think so, his strikes were pretty heavy. So yeah. Now, now look. I mean, you you know, we do weigh the immediate impact of the strikes more. So is Derek Cleary assessing a a higher value to the immediate impact of those strikes? Uh, maybe I don't know. Uh, I'm speculating, and maybe that's a, an entirely viable way to do it. You know, again, we're not trained. Yeah, but even even so, the reaction to the strikes landed that Font was landing compared to what Garbrandt was landing, they were bigger coming from Font's end. So, I mean, I tend to agree. I'm I'm kind of I guess I'm playing devil's advocate here for uh, for Judge Cleary. Um, I I feel pretty strongly that this is a Font round. I I don't think it's the the greatest score sitting at my couch uh, at home. Mm-hmm. Our, us couch side judges here, I don't think it's the greatest score. But you know, could he have justified it in the post mortem? Maybe. Perhaps. But I think that was it for now. I mean, you know, we uh, we ultimately got the right guy winning on all three cards, too. It didn't yep. really make a difference. It, you know, round one, you definitely want to see go the right way. Round five, you know, Derek Cleary knew who the man was that won the fight on his card anyway. Right. Yes. I mean, so it really didn't make that big a difference. Yeah, no one's arguing that Cody Garbrandt won this fight. No, certainly not. Not even not even just Cleary. So uh, I think we can move on, though. You know, we we had a split decision, though. With all three different scorecards in uh, another main card fight here, No More Dumont, women's featherweight bout, potentially the last one in the UFC ever, uh, getting the win over Felicia Spencer, uh, 30-27, 29-28, and then the 29-28 the other way for Felicia Spencer. Round two and three are where we have the discrepancy with everybody seeing round one for Dumont. So, Dan, what, what did we see in round two? Was this close? Was it, was it not so close? Yeah, I thought it was pretty close. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Spencer landed some good kicks. I mean, those those high, those weird high kick things, like flipping her foot. I, I don't even know what they're called. Those were interesting. Um, but I think Dumont has her power in her hands because she connected on quite a few occasions, and uh, they were pretty strong. Stronger than anything Spencer landed. So I'm going on impact, 10-9 Dumont. I think she's also landing with better volume. So, I, you know, I think you can give her both both edges. Okay. So it, it's a close round. I still don't think it's a bad score to go uh, for Spencer here uh, the way Brian Miner did. Uh, but I tend to favor uh, D'Amato and Camillo here. Uh, for the second fight in the row that we're talking about, it's, it's uh, D'Amato and Camillo. They're, they're kind of a, a superhero team up on this round. <laughs> and the previous two rounds. But not on round three. This is where we see disagreement there. And it's actually Miner and Camillo who saw it for Spencer. And D'Amato saw it for Dumont. He was the out judge here. What do you think? I ended up going with Spencer. I thought, so did I. Uh, I mean, she landed, again, she had the good kicks. Dumont got a takedown and landed some ground and pound, but not really that much. And once it's on the feet, Spencer, she kind of just bullied her right against the cage into the clinch. And then she started landing some big elbows from there. So I, I thought, you know, that was it. Because then, well, then she gets the takedown and she doesn't really do much from there. She kind of was like, you know what? I just won this round with those elbows. I'm going to take her down and run the clock out. I mean, I favored Spencer here after after I had favored Dumont in round two. Uh, but I think I can kind of see what uh, Judge D'Amato might have been looking at here. Because I we had that takedown from Dumont, like you said. And it wasn't just like a soft little takedown. There was a little bit of impact to it because it went right into side control. It was a, yeah. I don't want to call it like a slam, but but there was it was bigger than the average one. And there was at least some grappling element to it, advanced grappling element to it, right? Yeah. And I think if depending on how you view kind of the, like you said, that last what 45 seconds to a minute or so where Spencer's on top, not really doing anything, you know, compared to the, the elbows, maybe the elbows don't look so strong to uh, D'Amato from his view, you know, yeah, that's possible. So I, I can understand why it would go one way or the other there, too. Uh, yeah, but I, both of these rounds, I think you can make the argument either way. So even though we have a split here, I do think the right woman won. In Norma Dumont, I had it twenty nine twenty eight. Uh, but yeah, I mean anywhere, anywhere, uh, any range of scores here where that we have, none of these are wrong to me. Yeah, I mean, uh, I'm I'm fine with that. Yeah, but but again, I think the right woman end up winning anyway, so that's good. Um, a mediocre way to potentially wrap up the women's featherweight division in the UFC. That's all she wrote. I just I I don't I don't see why the UFC should continue this division anymore. I do think. That there is a place for 145 pound women in the in uh, in mixed martial arts, and I think that place is Bellator because they very much are putting a lot of effort behind their division. Uh, then there's of course PFL has the 155 pound division, which is kind of more or less a a, a no cut featherweight division. Yeah, in a lot of ways. So you know, and I, I favor that too because as much as we're not having women and men cut weight, all the better. So. I, I wouldn't be I would be totally fine with the UFC just saying, you know what, we're good. Leave it to you. You guys do it. Uh and let Bellator and PFL kind of carry on uh that torch for the women who are 145 pounds and above. All right. But let's move on. You know, we had in the co-main event, Carla Esparza went against type and got a huge emphatic finish where she was totally dominant of Yan Zhao Nan, getting the second round TKO uh, from the from the crucifix. She drove me absolutely crazy in this fight. Why? I I know you you got an axe to grind against Carlos Barza. Like I'm. But happy, what about this one? I'm happy she finished. 
But she should have finished in the first round, and I shouldn't have had to watch the second round. I think she was doing her darndest, man. No, she was... You can tell. She did not want to go for anything. All the strikes she threw were a little pitter-patter until the final 20 seconds. She, she opened up in the, in the she, finals. Because final, she yeah. didn't want to lose her position, and that's not fighting. It's like she was timid to improve her position to actually try to finish it in that round. And it drove me crazy, and I was on the fence at 10-9. I'm like, she's got dominance and duration here, but she's gotten no damage. She's done nothing. She hasn't attempted a sub. She's just sitting there in side control throwing pitter-patter. And then the final 20 seconds, she decides, I'm going to just start throwing these crazy huge elbows that I could have thrown three minutes ago and gotten a fight finishing, you know, praise from Dan. But that didn't happen. Uh, but because of that final 20 seconds, she splits her open. I get I go over a 10-8. I went the 10-9 here, um, just as uh, Cleary and D'Amato did. Mike Bell saw it your way, I, we should we should point out. So, uh, But this is, this is a round that I think two months ago, the judges would have almost definitely seen as a 10-8 round. But with all of the, which we keep alluding to, the the flack that Dana White gave for all the officials about 10-8s being given out too often, all the way back to, to early March in the Blahovich and, and Adesanya fight, round five. Ever since then, it's just thrown off the calculus. You can see it. We, we have a, a lot of fights now where we've seen inconsistency in terms of the way 10-8s are given out compared to where they used to be. And it seems like what it is, is we're missing the damage element, then it's not going to get that 10-8, right? Um, you're saying that the last 20 seconds, you could check off damage, is that what you're saying? I can check it off enough. Enough to get there, right? Yeah. I think for me, I didn't quite get there. That's two Ds, but no damage. I still think that ought to be a 10-8, but based on the way we're seeing it, and I'm trying to kind of adjust my calculus here, I would say it's a 10-9, and that, that this is the way the judges are going to see it, and that, and that manifested, of course. Yeah, the, the thing is, I think the damage is there. As much as as much as Asparza's strategy and game bores me, those were hellacious elbows. Yeah, I, I think you can make the argument. I think it's definitely a borderline case as far as the damage goes. So, look, I, I really wish I would go 10-8 here and, and feel confident that this is the way judges are going to do it. But I don't know that they are. So, and, and case in point, they didn't. Mike Bell did, of course. Good old Mike Bell. Mike likes to fire those 10-8s. Get him out there. And I'm good with that, I should say. <laughs> but uh, the last few uh, rounds we have here, n- nothing too consequential, uh, nothing too impactful or anything like that. But let's go to... The Ricardo or Ricardo Hamos fight, right? Getting the win over Bill Algio. Is decision? Is that how you say it? I, I watched on mute. It, I, I believe it's Hamos. Okay. But I don't remember if it's Ricardo or Ricardo. Okay. Um, Because some of the Brazilian Portuguese pronunciations still kind of mess me up. Okay. So uh, with respect to our Brazilian Portuguese listeners, well, Portuguese listeners, they're Brazilian listeners, I should say. Uh, I uh, I am sorry if I messed that up. But we have in round two of a fight that, you know, it was 30-27 twice and a 29-28, all for Hamosh. Uh, round two is where we have a split here. And it was Mike Bell and Eric Cologne seeing it for Hamosh. Derek Cleary saw this one for Algio. Close round. Yes, that was close. Dan, I went for Algio. So did I. Why Ten. did you go that way? Well, I thought Algio had a volume edge and his impact was pretty good. A couple shots really seemed to stun Hamosh, Hamosh. but uh, he kept in there, and I thought his grappling was solid. He locked up a pretty tight anaconda, but he was on the feet, so pretty hard to finish that sub from the feet, I would imagine. But, you know, 
nonetheless, good grappling offense there. We've seen crazier things, though. Yeah, so good. I scored a good grappling offense there. I don't think it's crazy to go Hamosh, but I, I leaned Algio. Yeah, I think so, too. It's, uh, again, just a close round. Ended up not being consequential, but, you know, this is a round two. There's, there's definitely a pivotal moment of this fight because if enough people saw this one for Algio, then we're talking about winner take all in round three. Of course, no one knows this anyway because it's, you know, it's not like we have open scoring. Mm-hmm. But we are in a situation where Algio, and this is why I think open scoring would be good because it's like at least Algio should know, like, listen, you were just in a close round, but you really need that finish if you're going to win. Um, now he can still fight that way anyway, knowing it's a close fight. but. Ah, God, I, I, I really <laughs> wish it would just be more popular. <laughs> People seem to hate it yeah. for some reason. But, but we do have you and I siding with uh, with the outjudge and Derek Cleary. So what do we call that? Oh, that's a catch side override. <laughs> <laughs> it's one for you. That's right. Go get yours, Derek Cleary. I know we I know we weren't against you in, in the other fight, but, but this one, we're on your side. Yeah, we're with you. <laughs> Uh, two more quick fights, and they're they're both round threes, uh, totally inconsequential in some lopsided uh, fights here. Heavyweight bout between Jared Vandera, did I, I forget if I'm saying it right or wrong, uh, against Justin Taffa. It was two 30-27s and a 29-28 for Vandera. And uh, I don't know, which way did you go in round three? Because the, the two out of three saw this one for Vandera. That was Mike Bell and Tony Weeks. That's who I saw it for, Vandera. Okay. Close fight. I, I just thought that Tafa had a little bit more impact uh, on the strikes that he was landing. See, it, it, early it's Tafa, but as the round goes on, it start, Vandera started landing with good impact, good combos, and I was like, you know what? I like it for him. Right, that's fair. I, I, have, I have no issue with that. It's a close fight. Close round, I should say. Um, interesting fight, but yeah, I, I went I went for Tafa here, and you went for Vandera, so I sided with Eric Cologne. Um not a couch side override as we are split, but you know, I think that just shows how close this round was. Yeah, sure. And then the final uh, round that we have for you guys, Court McGee against Claudio Silva. Court McGee got two 30-26s because of a 10-8 round two, unanimous, uh, and a 29-27. But round three is split over who won the round. I saw this one for McGee, just the same way as Cleary and Adelaide Bird. And Silva got the round from Mike Bell. Which way did you go? I went with McGee. So How come? Uh, I mean, on the feet, Silva was doing well. He's landing the better strikes for sure, I think. Um, but once he gets taken down, you know, McGee starts going to town, you know, intermittent ground and pound. It wasn't Doing like, court McGee stuff, right? It wasn't, it was like a grind out ground and pound. Like he was not full bore, just throw punches nonstop. He was more methodical, attacking, attacking. against That's, the that's fence. called court McGeeing. Against the fence, though, I thought he landed some Pretty solid shots when they're in like that turtle position, that wizard. Thought that was some good shots. I mean, I guess Silva's throwing some elbows back at him from uh from the guard. But ultimately I thought Court was the more effective fighter and he gets the round for me. I have nothing else to add. That pretty much sums it up. Uh but yeah, it was a it wouldn't have mattered uh entirely at all, or any ray at all, because everybody knows that the score would have been twenty nine twenty seven, which is the same way Mike Bell had it, even if it unanimously went to Silva. You want to get it right, of course, but it's a close round. I, I have no problem. Yep, fine with me. Not at all. Uh, and that's it for our uh, contested rounds here. We had four finishes. A lot of decisions on this. Well, a lot of decisions where the judges uh, were unanimous, I should say. And, and I thought they did a really good job in fights like, uh, and we should say, Ben Cartledge on Twitter pointed this one yep. out. Uh, the fight between Edmund Shabazian and Jack Hermanson, which Hermanson won uh, definitively. Great scorecards. 
unanimous. Great 10, judging overall on this one. I, you know, we had some, we, like we said, we had some split rounds here, but I thought this was great, right? Yeah, we did good. We did great. I always feel much better when we're back in Vegas than uh, Houston. Yeah, and then people have the nerve to be like, oh, we're back in Vegas. Uh-oh, what are no, the judges going to do? Vegas. God, I wish we could go back to Texas. Yeah. Said no one. Who are these judges in Vegas? Oh, my God. God. Who do you want judge? This, this is the question I always ask. Who would you rather have? Do you want the next man or woman up? You don't know who that is. They want the people in their echo chamber. Yes, that is correct. So... Well said, sir. And those people don't uh, But exist. yeah, so we, we had four finishes, though. Uh, and two of them were TKO or KO. I think it was one KO and one TKO. It's more or less the same. It's just how it's classified. And uh, and two subs. What was your favorite, sir? Well, when you choke a man who has no neck, I find that very impressive. <laughs> so Ben Rotwell choking Chris Barnett with uh, some kind of modified guillotine. Guy had, if you've seen this man, he's got no neck. I don't know how he got choked. I saw somebody uh, on social media point out that this was a go-go choke. Is that right? It looked... I don't know. I, I, it looks strange. It didn't look like a guillotine, I think which it was is the, right the official. It looked interesting. I, I don't know exactly what it was. It, I mean, it looks similar to maybe a 10-finger guillotine to the side kind. I don't know. It was strange. I don't know exactly what, what, what it was, but it got the yeah, job actually, done. Yeah, it, it actually, was, it was Big John McCarthy called this a go-go choke. A go-go choke. So you should... I don't know how this wasn't your favorite then. Well... I'll tell you why. It's because I was very impressed with David Dvorak, uh, flyweight. You you went all heavyweight. I went all the way down to flyweight for my favorite. Uh, he really rocked uh, Juan Camilo Ronderos. I was really, uh, really bad on the feet. It, it, this was just this was Dvorak like the whole Dvorak the whole fight. Yeah, rocks him, clips him, gets him to the ground, quickly takes the back, and then sinks in uh, one arm for the rear naked choke, and that's enough to get the tap. I don't know what he was doing. It's like Ronderos thought. Oh, he's only got one arm. His other arm's occupied. He can't choke me like, like this. And the next thing you know, he's tapping. He didn't even touch. I don't know if that was the thought process well, or not, but man. Well, it had impressive. to be. He didn't even attack that arm. He's like, no, I'm not going to touch this. He can just have my neck. You know, he was clipped. He's compromised. So, you know, it was how many sh- times do you get hit before you turn into a white belt? Yeah, but still, protect your neck. Let's go. Uh, might not be that easy, man. Well, I'll let you punch I, me. And I'm then not going to sit there and second guess a man who is definitely not, does not have all his wits about him. You go on autopilot. He should know that. Yeah, probably. But uh, I'm I'm not going to go crazy with him like that. Uh, but yeah, I mean, that that I thought was really great. Um, we had some good finishes, but that was that was my favorite. Not enough. Not as many finishes, but but still enough. Uh, and that's it. And you know what, Dan? We don't even have any fights this coming week. There are no UFC cards. There are no bellator cards there's no pfl cards we have a full weekend no mma that of of major consequence i should say there's plenty of mma on um, on other shows and things like that but uh i think i'm gonna take advantage of this uh this break and just breathe okay i didn't know what are you gonna do i had no idea there was no mma this week oh surprise i dropped that on you thank you uh so i guess i'm gonna go swimming i like that it is memorial day weekend Oh yeah, that does. Matter. I did notice that June was the next uh, event for the UFC. Yes, indeed. Yeah. All right, I'm gonna watch baseball. I like that. I'm gonna hang out with my children. Are you gonna have hot dogs and hamburgers? Ooh, I should get the grill out. Oh, the grill's out. We 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 have Dude, fired it up a little bit. Grill some hot dogs, hamburgers. I'll get you over to grill sometime. All right, hot dogs and hamburgers. All right, nobody wants to hear about our plans. We're done. Thanks for listening. We'll definitely have some sort of past judgment or, or something midweek for you or later in the week for you. 
Who knows? Wild card. We can do anything we want. We can branch out and do something crazy like eat hot dogs and hamburgers. We could, but I, I don't think anybody wants to listen to that. We could rate the food. Nobody wants to hear that. Then you'd be surprised. Anyway, thanks for listening. Take care, everybody.